uh, in, in, in many ways in the past. And so we also... We reject the ideology of globalism, and we embrace the doctrine of patriotism. Not only will this tax plan pay for itself, but it will pay down debt. There are moral and legal obligation questions that I think we'll have to wrestle with as a society. When we as people go wobbly on the truth, we go wobbly on America. All you have to do is look at the numbers, look at what we've done. And this is all in the beginning. Good morning, Rochester. You're tuned in to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in, well, Rochester. I'm your host, Jason Taylor, joined in WXIR's studios by my good friend and co-host, Mary Lawrence. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for tuning in to your local grassroots community radio station, WXIR. We're live. It's Saturday, July 17th, 2021. It is a deluge out there, folks. A lot of rain. Uh, doesn't seem like as much rain as folks got in Western Europe, thankfully. Uh, it's really unfortunate what's going on there. But yeah, it's been wet recently. And I guess that's a good thing because I think we are in a rain deficit for a while. But uh, rain's coming down. Drive safe and hopefully stay dry. Evidence of Design, our radio show, is all about critiquing income and wealth inequality. We think there's way too much economic inequality in society, and we think it is not here by accident. We think that we can fix the inequality in our society, meaning allowing our society to be more equal, by having better government policies. And therefore, that's what we do on the show. We investigate the causes, critique the effects of economic inequality, and we propose some solutions that we think would alleviate things. We appreciate WXIR for allowing this platform uh, for these types of community conversations. Community, indeed. We would love your participation throughout the hour or any time by giving us a call at 585-219-8889. Again, 585-219-8889. You can also email us at radioeod at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Radio EOD. Of course, EOD standing for Evidence of Design. What might we chat about today? Well, we have a number of things that get to the heart of our show's premise, investigating the causes, critiquing the effects of income and wealth inequality. The first of which, this week, Child tax credits have begun going out to millions of American families. This was passed, the child tax credit expansion was passed as part of the American Rescue Plan passed by Democrats earlier this year. The child tax credit has been expanded so that more individuals are eligible to receive a child tax credit. More folks will receive more money from an expanded child tax credit and the child tax credit is fully refundable and paid in advance now meaning it doesn't go out just when you're filing taxes so if you have a child between the ages of zero to 17 you might see in your bank account this week 250 to 300 dollars or more 
depending on how many children you have in that age group from the federal government. That started happening this week. That is a big deal. It's essentially universal basic income for children. It's projected, you've probably heard the statistic cited over and over again if you've been paying attention to this figure, but it's been projected that the child tax cut this year can cut child poverty by half, by 50%. That is a ridiculous statistic in that it's, I mean, that would be huge if that's exactly what's going on. But, uh, you know, more has to be read between the lines in terms of what the poverty rate is and how it's measured. Long story short, universal basic income to those with children in the United States of America, we think on evidence of design, that's a phenomenal thing, and hopefully you're benefiting too if you have an eligible child. We're going to talk this hour about who's eligible specifically to receive that tax credit and how locally you can get support in getting your tax credit and figuring out if you're eligible. There's local organizations, including the Empire Justice Center's cash program, creating assets, savings, and hope, who are offering free help to folks to ensure that they can get their child tax credit. So we're going to talk about how great that is and where you can go to get more and ensure you get your tax credit. However, not everyone agrees, Mary, that the child tax credit is a good thing or that government's doing anything at all beyond protecting the rights of corporations and the free market <laughs> is a good thing. So there are people who just think, yep, government bad, promote free market good. We're going to talk about, we're going to debunk some of the myths that are out there about welfare and government and social spending programs in general. This week, Republicans made it no secret about their disdain for having a government that actually benefits people at all, even though that is the point of government is to benefit its people. But we're going to debunk and counteract some Republican arguments or, or those who believe in, in a small government and a limited government or believe that welfare is bad or, or like this, just the word socialism is bad. We're going to debunk some of those myths and talk factually about why big government, social spending is a good thing. And last, we're going to end the show talking about the recently proposed $3.5 trillion budget from the Biden administration that would do a lot of other great things as well with government spending. Again, we'd love to hear from you throughout the hour. 585-219-8889. We are going to get into the child tax credit right after a short break on evidence of design on 100.9 FM WXIR. Hang on. That is The Offspring with Let the Bad Times Roll. You're listening to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR. Mary, let's jump right into it and talk about the child tax credits. This week, the first payments from the child tax credits have gone out to American families who qualify with children between the ages of zero to 17. This is a big deal. Again, it was... Uh, expanded. The child tax credit has been around for a bit, but it was expanded in terms of the amount of money people can receive and the eligibility for those who can receive said money as part of the American Rescue Plan passed earlier this year. So previously, the child tax credit was only uh, $2,000 for per child between the ages of 0 to 16. And that's per year, right? Yep, per year when you file your taxes. So during tax season, you file your taxes, uh, depending on your income. You know, we won't get into the nitty gritty of the incomes. Long story short, the vast majority of Americans qualified. If you make a whole bunch of money over, say, uh, you know, $150,000 for married couples, your uh, child tax credit would decrease. We're just go into the, we're going to go into the, just the nominal amount though, to clear up confusion because most folks would qualify for the nominal amount. That again, used to be $2,000 per child between the ages of zero and 16 when you file your taxes. So a huge caveat with this child tax credit, as it used to be written, is you would only get the credit if you file taxes. Many people don't file taxes for a number of reasons, particularly those who are very low income or disabled, you know, for, for, for many reasons. And so this child tax credit actually wouldn't go to the lowest income earners in the United States previously if they didn't file their taxes. And you don't file your taxes again for many reasons. It doesn't just mean you're trying to defraud the government. 
Uh, it just means you know the number of things that could be going on. So big deal, this child tax credit wouldn't go to the lowest income earners, uh, those who didn't pay their taxes, and also it was $2,000 for children 0 through 16. So what's changed? Several things that are a very big deal. As part of the American Rescue Plan this year, if you have a child between the ages of 0 and 6, you can get a tax credit of $3,600 per child, ages 0 through 6. How about for older children? Well, you'll get $3,000 tax credit per child between the ages of 7 through 17. So they raised the maximum age of qualification from 16 to 17, and they raised the dollar amount. Again, $2,000 to $3,600 for those ages 0 through 6, and $2,000 to $3,000 for those ages 7 through 17. So expansion of eligibility, expansion of the dollar amount, and again, an expansion of the eligibility because of this very important, important point. The tax credit is now fully refundable. That means that you do not have to file taxes in order to receive it. Anyone can get it. So even if you are someone who doesn't file taxes because you are incredibly low income, disabled, etc., you can still receive this tax credit because it is fully refundable. Now, how do you do that? You still have to go through the IRS to get it. Good news, folks. There are folks out there who can help you do that. For instance, the Empire Justice Center's Creating Assets, Savings, and Hope program, that's cash. They are offering assistance now locally. You might have seen them in the news about this. There are other groups too, but just to spotlight this one, cash locally is helping folks out with that. You can learn more. We'll spotlight this again, but for now, you can learn more. Empirejustice.org forward slash child hyphen tax hyphen credit empirejustice.org forward slash child hyphen tax hyphen credit or you can call 585-900-1004 585-900-1004 they can let you know whether or not you qualify to receive the child tax credit and if so how you can receive it many of you might have already received the ta child tax credit in your bank account this week, if you filed taxes last year, if your income is below that threshold of, say, $150,000 for married couples, and if you, of course, have a child between the ages of 0 through 17, then you might have already received the child tax credit this week in your bank account from the IRS. That's another big point, Mary, because normally the child tax credit, as we mentioned in the previous way it was set up would only be paid out when you were filing your taxes you know it'd be a tax credit so let's say you owed um you know four thousand dollars when tax season came well with the tax credit of let's say you have one child so you would get two thousand then you would only owe two thousand dollars in taxes because of that tax credit or or you know vice versa you could get more money back long story short the money is now being paid out in advance so it's essentially universal basic income. You do not have to wait for tax season to get this one lump sum tax credit. You're now, it's sort of being prorated to you. That's a huge deal. So what the government is doing is starting this month, you know, this week, and once a month on the 15th of the month through December, the end of the year, there are payments going out to all qualifying families. So that's why you might have received a tax credit this week and you can expect to receive one if you qualify all the way through the end of the year in december on the 15th of the month that's a huge deal because we know that uh, poverty and material needs are ongoing they're constant right and so having the money spread out at all times is really helpful to keep people afloat and also just to better manage and budget things it's essentially universal basic income that is a huge deal so half of the money will go out between now and the end of december and the other half of the money will be given out during tax season so let's say you have a child one child age 10 you would be eligible if your income is in the right uh, guidelines to receive three thousand dollar tax credit for that child between now and december you'll get a total of fifteen hundred dollars a month come tax season next year you'll get the other fifteen hundred dollars for the total of three thousand so 
went through a lot of numbers there. Hopefully we get a sort of general conception of what's going on. I think this is a great thing, really helpful for families to have universal basic income essentially for having children. Why is that good? Well, you know, let's do a sort of a conservative argument, but not everything has to be so-called right or left. Um, you know, having families is important for the United States of America because you need children and procreation to continue society, right? You always need new generations, you need new workers, you need new voters, you need new life, right? So we want to encourage folks to have families in the United States. Well, in order to encourage folks to have families, we can offer government support to them. So that's a good thing too, right? Encouraging families. Another good thing, it allows people to have discretionary income or even necessary income to meet their kids' needs. We know that most of the poverty in the United States is concentrated amongst children. In Rochester alone, for instance, we have a 50% child poverty rate, which is ridiculous. And this can help to alleviate that childhood poverty rate. We know that when children grow up in poverty, they have adverse lifelong consequences from growing up in poverty, both physically, like health-wise, and also, you know, material, materially in terms of access to opportunities later on. They're not necessarily subject to this negativity for their whole life in terms, you know, they can overcome this, but it's, the odds are much harder and difficult. The climb is much steeper than for a child who does not grow up in poverty. So, you know, two good things. One, promote families. Two, help to alleviate childhood poverty to make people's lives better. Well, and coming off the pandemic as well, one thing that we talked about earlier on the show in a different episode was how difficult it has been for people dropping out of the workforce or getting laid off from their jobs because their kids are out of school to go back to work. And this child tax credit, you know, the the nice thing about it being upfront is that you can then use that money right away to pay a babysitter, to find childcare, to feed your kids. But that can make a huge difference for people who didn't have the money up front ahead of time to have someone to watch their children while they go back to work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the number of things that the money could be used for, let's say $300 uh, for qualifying a recipient per child between the ages of 7 through 17, the $300 meaning, the, like, let's say the monthly payment that goes out right now, that could go to a lot of things, right? That can go to food. That can go to childcare, that can go to transportation, that can go to whatever you need. You know, um, a uniform for your kid if they attend school, you know, new books, whatever. I mean, it, it's, it's super, super important and allows people to live their lives without the constant needling, oppressive nature of <laughs> material precarity, of meaning like, I don't know how to make my ends meet, right? So it's a huge deal. This child tax credit changes are a big thing. Super happy that they came about by the government. Government can do good in society. Um, not everyone agrees, though, and we're going to get to a counter-argument to this child tax credit right after I remind you that you're tuned into Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. Mary, are we live streaming on Facebook? We are. We have been the whole time. How exciting. Mark Zuckerberg is watching right now. He's logged in to Radio EOD on Facebook, watching us and our smarmy mugs in WXIR studios. You too can join and see us live at Radio EOD. That's our handle on Facebook. You can also let us know your thoughts. Did you receive the child tax credit this week? Do you think you're eligible but haven't received it? What do you think about the child tax credit and at large government involvement in the economy. You don't have to agree with us. In fact, sometimes it's more interesting if you don't. 585-219-8889. 585-219-8889. Mary, you and I has the evidence of design stamp of approval, expanded child tax credits. You know who does not you know who uh, hasn't given the child tax credits expanded approval or uh, stamp of approval? Tell me. Uh, every Republican. So <laughs> no Republicans have voted for the Affordable Care Act, or the Affordable Care Act. Well, that, that I believe is true, too. There might have been one or two Republicans. <laughs> I don't quite remember back in 20, uh, 2009 or 10 or whenever it was at this point. Um, but now for the uh, American Rescue Plan, zero Republican votes. Let's hear from none other than Florida Senator Marco Rubio 
what he thinks about the child tax credit. This was written in the National Review. It's an op-ed by Marco Rubio on February 11th of this year. It's titled, Biden's Child Care Plan is Wrong for Families and Ignores the Lessons of the Past. Rubio writes, America's families are in crisis. The pandemic has placed major strains on American families, as shown by rising household debt numbers. But even before the pandemic, Americans were getting married less and having fewer children than ever before, and the cost of living for middle-class families was far too high. Mary, I am in complete agreement with Rubio there. We have common ground. Wow. This is so exciting. I know. I'm, I'm excited to feel kinship with other, other citizens in this country. <laughs> um, well, he goes on to write, The immediate task of pandemic relief must be to help restore families' financial health. That's why I support and have called for President Biden to increase the latest round of stimulus checks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let's get to the heart of the matter for the child tax credit. I will gladly support more pandemic relief for families, but while President Biden and Democrats in Congress claim to support them also, buried in their $1.9 trillion spending plan is a proposal that would create a new program to give monthly cash payments to parents, not just for the pandemic, but permanently. <gasps> uh, that's, that's not necessarily true. Maybe it was true at the time of the negotiations, but this, this whole child tax credit that we've been talking about is only good for this year, for one fiscal year, 2021 to 2022. It expires, the expansion, and, 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 and the full reimbursement, all of that. It's only good for one year from the American Rescue Plan. Democrats want to make that permanent, and indeed we'll talk about that when we go into their $3.5 trillion proposed budget. Democrats want to make it permanent. Republicans have yet to signal a willingness to do so. And so, again, it, it's not permanent. In fact, it actually runs out. This is, a, this is sort of a one-time thing for now, unless the government can make it permanent, which I think would be a good thing. So here's the kicker of what Rubio says why he disagrees with the child tax credit. If pulling families out of poverty were as simple as handing moms and dads a check, we would have solved poverty a long time ago. There is substantially more to lifting families out of poverty than government-provided income, and for decades there was a bipartisan consensus that work, marriage, and community were critical pieces of poverty reduction. Mary, if pulling families out of poverty were as simple as handing moms and dads a check, we would have solved poverty a long time ago. But they didn't. So I can't disagree more with this. So poverty is literally as simple as giving people like solving poverty is literally as simple as giving people money like that's what po poverty by definition is not having money poverty by definition is having precar precarious access to material needs and so the government could literally end poverty tomorrow if it just gave people money that's the whole point. <laughs> and so when Rubio says there's a lot more to solving poverty than, than the government handing out money, that's, that's, literally the, that's literally not true. Like, literally poverty is solved by just having more income. That's how you get out of poverty. You have more income. Now, you can disagree with it politically. You can say, well, people shouldn't get free money, you know, so-called free because they have to work or ooh you can you can try to tackle this you know sort of uh, economically by saying oh you can't just give people money because there will be inflation those are all separate issues but we have to agree on the fundamental point that yes you actually solve poverty by increasing people's incomes that's the entire point people are in poverty because they do not have high incomes and therefore one way of solving poverty in fact the way of solving poverty is by increasing income and you can do that through the government so, you know, we have to just be clear on that, that um, indeed it is very simple to, to solve poverty. It's called increasing people's incomes, and the government is, is one of the best ways to do that. He also mentions there was a bipartisan consensus that, uh, you know, for decades, Washington recognized that work, marriage, and community were critical pieces of poverty reduction. Um, unfortunately, there has been a bipartisan consensus around this for the past 40 years, hence the, the creation of this, this radio program, Evidence of Design, where we critique neoliberalism, which is a fancy term of saying both Democrats and Republicans have largely agreed to the idea that the best way to solve social problems is through the free market. 
and the government does not actually have a big role to play in society. And to solve our problems, we have to promote individualism, competition, a notion of hard work, a notion of um, you know, solving problems through the private sector and not the public sector. So in that, you know, unfortunately, I think Rubio is right, where there was a bipartisan, bipartisan uh, consensus around how do you help people? Well, you don't give them, you don't support them, you, you threaten them to work harder, right? You threaten them to get a job. Instead of supporting someone to make their ends meet so they can go on and live their life in the best way they see fit, you threaten them with poverty and lack of access to material resources to hopefully get them into the labor market. I think we're seeing somewhat of a sea change now with Democrats uh, led by Bernie Sanders, among others, who are reminding themselves and others that the Democrat has, or the Democrat, the, the government has a big role to play in people's lives. Rubio ends his opinion piece in the National Review came out earlier this year in February with him saying, I outlined a proposal that would expand the child tax credit to $3,500 per child and $4,500 per child under the age of six. The key difference, aside from even being a larger credit than proposed by Biden, is that ours is directly tied to work. So Rubio is saying, look, I don't agree with the Democrats' child tax credit because it shouldn't be just a guaranteed handout to all people there has to be strings attached not everyone deserves this handout he says the hand the handout should only goes to those who would work and that those who do work would receive an even larger benefit than what biden has proposed um i well, one mary i want to turn to you to get your opinion on this but i would just say i I don't actually think, and this is the cynical part of me, I'm, I'm absolutely willing to uh, have disagreement with this, but I don't think that Marco Rubio and other Republicans actually want a child tax credit as high as 3500 or 4500 per child. They're just saying this because they know it will never happen and pass under their current watch, right? Republicans aren't going to pass anything right now in um in the in the Biden administration so they can just say yeah i would give you uh, you know a larger amount working families when they don't actually mean that right if that, if republicans meant that they would have passed it when they had a unified government under trump or under um you know the bush administration or if, if republicans actually meant that they would have done it so they're only just saying this in my opinion in my cynical opinion as just like a way to weaken democrats's um, expansion of the child tax credit for everyone. Mary, what are your opinions on Rubio saying that the child tax credit should only go to those who work? I don't actually think that he gives a lot of, at least maybe that's not the point of this article, but he doesn't seem to actually give very much detail in this article as to what that means. You know, is that someone having a full-time job? Is it someone getting job training? Is it both parents working? Like it's, I, I guess I don't really know that I have a clear enough understanding. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's so that's a great place to start, right? What does work mean? That's a great place to start. Does a mother who's at home taking care of her child, does that count as work? Does a child or does, you know, a teenager who is a babysitter a few hours a week, does that count as work? Does someone who works a part-time job 10 hours a week. Does that count as work? Does someone who works multiple part-time jobs, minimum wage, does that count as work? Does someone who has a salaried position, does that count as work? Right? There are multiple definitions of work. What about volunteers? They're doing labor, but they don't get paid for it. Does that count as work? And so the point is, you know, when you look into this, there's a lot more to the definition of work than just like the face value conservative notion of I provide for myself and I'm not a lazy bum who sits on a couch because I work, right? Work with a capital W. But we know there's a lot more to work than just like this myth of a capital W type of work. Right. So and they always talk about, you know, the inherent value and dignity of work. And I think that we've discussed on this show too that people generally don't want to just sit around like everyone who experienced that for the first time during the pandemic, most people had a really hard time just sitting and not doing things. I think maybe the our difference here 
or I mean, I'm sure that we have a lot of differences between us and Rubio, but I think one of the differences is that we maybe have a more expansive view of what work is and also have an understanding that people don't want to just sit around and may just define it differently, that our definition of work may not just be a 40-hour-a-week job that is actually just contributing to climate change by producing things that we all don't need. So I think as a collective, we kind of need to rethink what work means and why, like, why does it have inherent value in our society? Like, yes, people should do things that contribute to the community and make them feel good. That's important, but that doesn't just mean having a traditional job. Right. Absolutely. And it's been borne out since study after study since the 1990s when the Democratic-led administration and the Clinton administration, working with Republicans, ergo, you know, our definition of neoliberalism and all that, changed a lot, you know, reformatted, revolutionized welfare in this country to be work-based requirements. Before, a lot of it was just for everyone. Then, 1990s, reformatted it to be based on work and a large a big part of that was born out of the reagan administration and their racist notion of welfare queens and their attack on african-american communities and also the poor so in america we have a a chronic condition where we victimize the welfare system and government assistance for example there are many myths when it comes to welfare the first of which is that poverty comes from a lack of responsibility. Is there, are there people out there who are poor, meaning they don't have an easy way to meet their basic material needs because they are not responsible in a this sort of magical agreed-upon social res- shared definition of social responsibility? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there are people out there who just really can't get their act together, you know? But the vast majority of people who are poor are not poor because, God, they just can't, they just can't get their act together, Mary. They just can't go out there and find a job. You know? it's, mm-hmm. it's like um, 50% childhood poverty in Rochester. Do you think just half of, half of families with children just, just can't get their act together? You know? um, it's really silly when you, when you frame it in the numbers. So one, the myth that people are poor because they lack responsibility, it's just, it's just not true, man, when it comes to... Uh, the the extent and entrenchment of poverty out there. There's also a myth that welfare leads to chronic dependency. This comes up time and time again. Uh, it came up most recently, you know, with with Republicans and the idea of the expanded unemployment insurance. Like, oh, people aren't going back to work because now you've made them dependent on unemployment. Uh, that's that's simply not true. Where the vast majority of people who are on any form of welfare, social safety net are on it for a short-term basis. There are very few people who are on the social safety net for a prolonged period of time, you know, five years, 10 years, a lifetime. Like the idea that someone just lives their life off of the social safety net is, is, just, is just really a myth. It, there's no chronic dependency there, right? The purpose of it is to allow you to get on your own two feet, so to speak, so you actually can go find a job and have a lifestyle that, that is worth living to you. Another myth is that African Americans make up the largest group of welfare recipients. Uh, white people are the largest group of welfare recipients in the country. It is true that African Americans are disproport that are they're overrepresented in the in the welfare system, and that I, I would argue was born out of uh, centuries of racism and dispo, dispossession of wealth of African American communities. But that is a huge myth that African Americans are the largest group. It is uh, white people who are the biggest beneficiaries per capita of the welfare system and so on and so forth there are other myths long story short i I hope we're not belaboring the point here but when here's the here's the fundamental point i want to get to when we get to critiques of say the child tax credit or social safety nets or welfare or any government assistance when republicans or folks like marco rubio propose having an incentive system tied to work it is problematic because, as we've covered, there's work means a lot more than a traditional notion of a 40-hour-a-week job. And two, fundamentally, is this, is that when things are tied to work, it, they're not tied to you as an individual. You cede your power 
to have agency over receiving whatever assistance this is that you are paying into as a taxpayer into the government. You are ceding your power to receive this taxpayer-funded assistance to the private sector. The private sector, for the most part, determines whether or not you have a job that is traditionally recognized as work, right? The private sector determines right now in the United States, for the most part, not just whether you get a job, but also whether that job is worth working for and actually pays a living wage and is something that is meaningful to you. So the benefit of having something that is publicly provided to all individuals, regardless of a tie to work, is that you are guaranteed that as a human being and not you're, you're not having to only receive that contingent upon your ability to find success in the private sector, right? If you receive the child tax credit as a government provided assistance, no strings attached, you are a human being, you deserve that, you deserve money um, assistance from the government because you had a child. And that's an incentive because as we covered, you know, we want to promote families in the United States. We want to promote families that don't have, um, children in poverty because that's bad for everyone. So on and so forth. So therefore as a society, we agree to have that happen. If the child tax credit goes to you only if you work, you as a taxpaying resident are ceding your ability to get this aid because it, the power is now in the private sector. And that makes no sense. And that's what Republicans all the time um, try to do is cede public sector responsibility to the private sector to cede your individual human uh, you know, dignity and benefits and guarantees to the private sector. Something that is based on profit and not human well-being. So we started out this conversation talking about the child tax credit and how you might have received the first payment of it this week. Again, if you don't know whether or not you're eligible to receive it or you think you should have, but you haven't yet or whatnot, you can find out how to gain access through the Empire Justice Center's cash program, 585-900-1004, 585-900-1004. Uh, Mary, I want to turn to you with where else folks can go. Real quick point, though, I forgot to mention earlier, is that the if you receive the child tax credit benefit, it cannot it count as income for other social safety net programs. If you receive SNAP, if you receive Section 8, if you're eligible potentially for the earned income tax credit, the income, the money that you would get from the tax credit does not count against those programs. This is very important. If you are worried about, oh, I don't want to receive the, this child tax credit because it might bump me off SNAP, it does not work that way. Democrats and the government wrote it that way so that you could receive the benefit without getting kicked off other social safety net programs. That's a very important point. So uh, I'm not giving a formal tax advice here, but uh, it, it's worth noting that it doesn't seem to be a reasonable fear to worry about being bumped off of other social safety net programs because of income you would receive from the child tax credit. Indeed, I think it's not, it doesn't count as income, it counts as a tax credit or whatever. But again, that's, I, I don't know about the tax advice. Where else can folks go, Mary, to learn how they can receive the child tax credit? Yeah, uh, and I, I think that was a great point, Jason. I'm, I appreciate you bringing that up. And if you have other questions, um, and you don't really want to call or are worried about looking things up online, you do also have an opportunity to talk to a cash, again, creating assets, savings, and hope representative in person at the Rochester Public Library, the central branch, which is just down the street from the transit center, so very easily accessible by bus. Uh, they're open Monday through Thursday, 10 to 4 p.m. Um, you can just walk in or make an appointment and they're going to be there from July 12th to through September 2nd, specifically to help people navigate the child tax credit. And if you need, they can also help you prepare uh, the, the taxes from last year for free. So file your taxes for free, get help with the child tax credit. Again, that's at the Central Library of Rochester in the Bausch and Loam building uh, on South Avenue, just down the street from the transit center for monday through thursday 10 to 4 uh july 12th through september 2nd and if you uh, happen to drive you can actually bring your parking ticket in and they will give you a waiver for it awesome so for the next almost two months 
you can get that free in-person support at the public library. Yep, that's right. July 12th through September 2nd. Or you can go on to empirejustice.org forward slash child hyphen tax hyphen credit or call 585-900-1004. Mary, we're going to take a short break on evidence of design on 100.9 FM WXIR. When we come back, we're going to get into the... This week, Democrats proposed a $3.5 trillion budget. Talk about all the juicy stuff that's in there. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back. Let us know your thoughts. 585-219-8889. Hang on. Sorchai Richardson with Ruin Your Night. This is Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR. In our last 15 minutes or so, let us know. Did you receive the child tax credit this week? What do you think about the newly proposed Democratic, well, <laughs> the newly proposed federal government's, Bi- uh, federal government's budget proposed by Biden, if I can get my consonants correct? 585-219-8889. Mary? Yes. This week, Democrats unveiled the proposed $3.5 trillion budget from the federal government. Included in this budget, oh boy, are you ready i'm so ready it is one trillion dollars to evidence of design for their uh, social you know and community work oh wow we are gonna buy the biggest air conditioner for this room (laughs) (laughs) just kidding (laughs) (laughs) no no money is coming to evidence of design what okay i misread the uh budget then so no just kidding so 3.5 trillion dollars there's a lot in it folks details still to be determined because it's got to be passed and different people got to come together to hash things out. Hey, that's how democracy works. What is supposed to be included as of now? Here it comes. Medicare. That is the program, of course, that is a social safety net for the elderly. Typically, you qualify only 65 years or older in general. Uh, but it uh, proposed expanded Medicare coverage to not just be health, but also, or physical and mental health, but also to cover dental health vision and hearing so that would be a medicare expansion to cover dental vision and hearing proposal to establish universal pre-k for children aged three and four years old proposal to establish two years of free community college to all americans proposals to lower prescription drug prices and extend the expanded subsidies for the Affordable Care Act to make health insurance more affordable. That was a huge piece in the American Rescue Plan as well. Proposal to provide for guaranteed paid family leave. Proposal to create more requirements for utility companies to provide for clean, renewable energy sources. And there would be potentially a, essentially a tariff on incoming goods or services from other countries that were not produced with clean energy. There is a proposal to create a civilian climate core to create jobs for folks who would address climate change and conservation. That sounds so cool. I would love to do that. I'm sure it won't pay well, but that's, you know, it's all right because it's a neat opportunity and I would, I would love to do that. There's also um, this, of course, this budget would, is proposed to extend the expanded child tax credits as we've been talking about for this whole show that is only supposed to last this year. Democrats want to extend and expand that. We'll see what Republicans say, Mary, about the child tax credit. We'll see if Rubio comes back to his $4,500 a check for, um, you know, for folks with kids. Uh, pay attention. Pay attention to the rhetoric. How would how would this budget be uh, paid for? There's a lot more in it. It would be by stronger tax enforcement. So we've had a couple shows in the past few weeks about how Republicans have gutted the IRS's budget over the past decade. They have purposefully created a smaller IRS so that the IRS could not enforce tax collection among the wealthiest individuals and corporations. And so Democrats have been trying to increase funding for the IRS so that we could actually collect the taxes that we're statutorily supposed to be getting. It's estimated by the IRS that they lose out on $1 trillion a year from tax avoidance. $1 trillion a year. That's one third almost of this proposed budget. 
They would also, Democrats are also proposing to rein in corporate profits overseas. Um, that's a lot of loopholes and a lot of legal language that I don't have specifics for, but uh, it's always talked about. And we covered in the last week about how Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, and 130 countries have signed on to a tentative agreement to have a global minimum corporate tax rate. That's part of that. But there are also other loopholes that could be closed to have corporations actually pay pay their fair share of U.S. taxes and not heading profits overseas. The Biden administration is also proposing to increase capital gains taxes by around 20 percentage points. Uh Uh-oh, huge tax increase, folks. Um, By the way, if you are not a millionaire, (laughs) this doesn't affect you. If you are not exorbitantly wealthy, increasing capital gains taxes will essentially not affect you at all. So when you hear tax increase, it ain't affecting you. It's affecting the folks who um, make a ridiculous amount of money for not actually doing labor through the financial market, right? Uh, I thought we're supposed to love work. Like you get up and you put on your boots and you sweat and toil day after day at your job that you, you know, hopefully like, but maybe not. You just have to do it to put meal on the table. Um, capital gains often has nothing to do with labor. It just has something to do with the fact that you already have a lot of money to begin with and you've put it in the financial market. Cool. So increasing capital gains taxes sounds all right by me. And also there would be an increase, a proposed increase to corporate taxes by around nine percentage points. Again, the increase to corporate taxes right now, the the top corporate tax rate is 21% as a result of the 2017 Trump administration tax cuts and jobs act. That 21% came down from 35%. The Biden administration would propose increasing the corporate tax rate to 29 percent i believe which is still lower than what it was uh, four years ago when it was 35 percent and it is still lower than what it was for much of u.s history in the the 20th century at around 50 percent so we're talking about raising taxes here but again it's only going to affect the wealthiest individuals and also even if the tax rates do go up they would still be lower than what they were for most of u.s history and in modern american finance so Big proposals by Democrats to um, reshape guaranteed benefits to all Americans, all Americans, not just the wealthy, all, you know, not just the poor, all Americans with their budget from health care to education to housing. It sounds like good stuff to me, to climate change. And they would do that by raising taxes. Mary, what do you think Republicans think about it? Oh, I think they're all going to vote for it 100%. You know what? You might be a little off with that projection. By 100%? Uh, (laughs) That's a definition of a little. Let's hear what Minority (laughs) Leader Mitch McConnell um, says that Republicans will do. They announced yesterday it's a wild spending taxing spree, completely inappropriate for the country, which is already suffering from dramatic inflation right in line with what it was 40 years ago, based on what they've already done on a single party line vote earlier this year. This is wildly inappropriate for the country, totally out of uh, bounds for what ought to be uh, done. And that's why it'll generate zero Republican support. And hopefully there'll be a few brave Democrats who understand that running the country into the ground, both with taxing and debts, is not a good idea. It's an introduction of socialism into America, done on a one-party basis in a Congress that's virtually tied. You know, Senate's 50-50, the House has a couple of seat Democratic majority. They didn't get a mandate to do this stuff. They're not going to have any Republicans help them do this stuff. This is a left-wing dream of Bernie Sanders, fulfilled, uh, they hope. So a number of clarifications to provide there on, on Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Um, Bernie Sanders is proposing a $6 trillion budget. So this is not his dream. And by golly, if only we could get that $6 trillion budget, Mary, then we would finally, it'd finally be okay to call us socialists. Because that's, you know, we all know that to be socialists, there is this specific dollar amount that the government has to spend for it to actually matter to be called socialist. (laughs) What that dollar amount is, it changes. It changes by the second. 
It changes by where you are. It changes by who's saying it and to who you're saying it to. But golly, I just super wish I could legitimately be called a socialist with that $6 trillion budget by Sanders. Um, I'm being incredibly sarcastic here, folks. So, uh, you know, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is not uh, America being run into the ground by socialism, by Democrats proposing to have um, better health care, uh, better college education, better access to housing, um, protecting us from the worst devastations caused by climate change. Um, if that's socialism, then sign me up, baby. <laughs> well, it's also so many of these things are insane to me. Having lived in Germany where child tax credits called Kindergeld have been around for a long time, nobody like you pay very basic fees for university education, uh, universal medical um, is also already a thing. And that is still a capitalist nation. It's a capitalist nation that the U.S. does a lot of work with. And so just seeing these same things catching up to the United States and being called socialist is just like, just look around you, man. Yeah. Just take a look. Yeah. I, I too, look forward to living in a future where um, the government doesn't exist and it's just Amazon health insurance, Amazon housing... Amazon education. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> yeah. Like that just makes me sick. Yeah, you know, jokes aside. So hey, folks, more of the story. It is possible for the government to do positive things in people's lives. Just because the government is doing something and spending money uh, does not mean it's bad and does not mean it hurts you. In fact, contrary to Mitch McConnell's belief, when the government spends money, it tends to benefit you. I know. I know that could be a shock. I know that could be a shock, but it tends to benefit you. It's really different than when a private corporation spends money and it only benefits their shareholders. When the government spends money, it benefits the people. Let's let that sink in for a little while and try to get that through our heads. With that, Mary, we got a roll though. Thanks so much for listening to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR. We have 10 seconds. I was your host, Jason Taylor, joining WXIR Studios with Mary Lawrence. That was me. <laughs> Thanks everyone for being here. We're around. Be well, be safe, take care, stay dry out there, and bye-bye.